Welcome to Mindset, a guide to getting out of your own way and a blueprint for professional success. Today, neuroscientist Shelley Laslett is here to unpack perfectionism, namely when it can take your performance to the next level and when good enough is just good enough. I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm not as bad as I used to be. I can do things without crippling anxiety now, which is great. (laughs) Um, But I'm definitely um, learning how to navigate ambition and also manage expectations around myself, my mental health, and all of these really important things as well. I want the work I put out to be engaging, impactful, and impressive. I'm also a people pleaser, which I think relates strongly to being a perfectionist. Shelley, what's the difference between someone striving for excellence and someone being a perfectionist? Perspective and narration, meaning it depends on how you position it to yourself and who's talking inside your head. So we often talk about perfectionism in a different way, high achieving, dedicated, hardworking, meticulous. These can all be signposts that we'll hear in our work dialogue. So when we think about perfectionism in that regard, we actually we celebrate it, right? Like it's, it's a really positive thing. But perfectionism in the workplace can also sound like competitive, control freak, not a team player, bullish, or difficult. So it's really important to understand here that any strength overplayed becomes a weakness. I'm going to say that again. Any strength overplayed becomes a weakness. And perfectionism is a bit of a trap. In itself, it's not wholly bad. It's not wholly good. But it is a multidimensional construct. And what do I mean by that is there's multiple parts. There's multiple factors which influence perfectionism and how it plays out for everybody. So importantly, to use it as a strength, we need to understand the difference between adjusted and healthy and potentially not healthy or maladapted, perfectionist being at an unrealistic level. So we want to strive for excellence. We want to be high achieving. That's a, that's a great thing. And this would fall into what's called the normal or adaptive. And I say normal as a loose term, but just adaptive perfectionism. And what that means is it's the balanced pursuit of one's goals. So it relates to those who set high standards, goals, and aspirations, but have the ability to reevaluate and adapt these standards and expectations when needed. So there are a number of external factors that we cannot control, which are often going to influence our goals and our desires and our pursuits. The adaptive part is being able to reorganize those expectations of ourselves, being able to reorganize our goals and our internal benchmarks of ourselves to adapt to that external happening so that this reevaluation can occur because then perfectionism doesn't become a trap. Then it becomes a motivator. Then it becomes, I don't necessarily don't need to get it perfect, but I need to get it to this standard. Perfect also doesn't exist. The only way you can be perfect is by being you because you are wholly perfect as you are. So the internal moving of that benchmark is really important because it's your internal observation and reflection that is actually to determine what perfect inverted commas looks like. Now, there might be some externalized factor, score, outcome, feedback, but it's your understanding of what perfect that bar, that standard look like. Where we see perfectionism become quite a negative thing is when it's it's maladaptive. And basically what that means is that this flexibility doesn't exist. It may encompass more of those detrimental aspects of perfectionism, self-criticism, self-doubt. There's this real rigid adherence. It has to be this way. It's all or nothing thinking. I'm either a winner or I'm a failure. There's no in-between. If I'm not the best, I'm the worst. I'm nothing and I have no value. And that's where perfectionism is is a trap. And we see that really clearly. You know, there's a 
wonderful quote with, I think it's Giannis, I forget his surname, the basketballer where he says, you know, Michael Jordan played 16 seasons and he won five premierships. Does that mean that all the other seasons were terrible? No. It means he was adapting and learning and reevaluating. And we have to think about our career like that. I might get rejected from 15 interviews, but did I get the one interview and did I nail that job? Then yes. Does that mean that I'm a failure? No. It means that that one interview, I did the right things in the right way and it was the right job for me. It doesn't mean that those 14 others or those 15 others that I've done means I am deficit. I have a deficit. I am defected in some way. So that's where we see this adaptability of those high standards versus this chastising of ourselves. So the other thing about maladaptive perfectionism is people set unrealistic expectations. They actually have really high unrealistic expectations. I can only get 99. I cannot get, you know, 98. And and it happens and we see it actually quite a lot in sport because it's it's sport's such a binary, you either win or you lose. You win by 20 goals or you lose by 20 goals or you lose by a point, you still lose. And what sports psychs do an amazing job in this place is really helping people to move from that maladaptive into adaptive way. So I want folks to think about, if we go back to that interview analogy, those 15 interviews were not failures. They were opportunities to learn, right? And in going through those 15 interviews, you probably learned a bunch of things that set you up for success in that final 16th. It's really famous that Jack Ma, who's the founder of Alibaba, whilst I have, you know, other thoughts on that, company itself. The point is that he was rejected so many times. I think out of a graduate scheme, they took a hundred positions and he was the one person who didn't get in. Now, does that mean that he was, you know, had a deficit? No, it just means it wasn't the thing that was right for him. And sometimes that's going to happen. Sometimes there are actually doors that close on us and knows that we get for good reason. And this has happened to me in my career. There's been times that I've received no's and it's been really hard. It wasn't what I wanted to hear. It was painful. It wasn't what I was anticipating. And quite frankly, it hurt, right? But time, distance, adaptability, looking at that from a different angle, I can see why there was a no. I can see why it wasn't the right thing. It didn't mean it didn't hurt at the time. Okay, so what are the common signs of perfectionism? If you're like, well, I don't know if I'm in adaptive or maladaptive, I don't know. If there is any form of self-criticism here and you are struggling to, to readjust your expectations even when external factors change and you finding that you're still working really, really late to try and get something perfect even when done would be okay, I think you're probably going to be more in that maladaptive. Now, that's, again, not you're not in deficit. You don't need, you know, 25 years of counselling to try and undo this. All that you need is to sort of have that cognizant, that conscious awareness of, does this need to be done this way? Who's setting this agenda? Is this mine? Is this the workplace? What's happening here? An element of perfection in it is it's generally motivated by a fear of failure rather than a balance or desire to achieve, learn and grow. And I want people to think more about every opportunity that happens, everything that happens isn't just success or failure. It's outcomes that either would be focused towards something we desire or an outcome we didn't desire, but it's an opportunity to learn and grow. We can't get everything right all of the time and it is completely unrealistic for us to think that we can be perfect. The only way you're going to be perfect is by being authentically you because no one else can actually be you. So you still, for those who want to tick the box of I'm satisfying my perfectionism drive, you still are, but it's just about changing the way that you're thinking about it. That adaptability is really critical to making sure perfectionism is a positive versus a detractor in the way that you're thinking about yourself and about work. Finally, Shelley, can you please explain how perfectionism can lead to burnout? No one can be perfect 100% of the time. It's just not possible. 
like it doesn't exist on this planet. So if you know that it just doesn't exist, you're striving to something that in reality just isn't even in the atmosphere, right? So you, sometimes you really have to check yourself with that sort of quite big picture thinking. Where it leads to burnout is when it's maladaptive, where we just don't care. The pursuit of being perfect, the pursuit of being right overweighs everything else, our health, our relationships, our values, you know, it just it becomes a bulldozer. And, you know, we're still in the driving seat, but we can't find the op front behind that bulldozer. So, we just end up clearing everything in our path. And this is what I mean when you think about when you hear people talk about it in the workplace or they're you know, they're ruthless or they're bullish and you, and you know people like that. But generally that is coming from a place of insecurity, not from a place of confidence. It's often dressed up as confidence, but underneath confidence always sits insecurity and fear. Because if I'm not perfect, if I'm not great at work, then who am I? And that's much scarier question than was the document perfect, right? So, we're going to try and get to the document perfect first. I think where we avoid burnout is by catching it early, so, sense checking with ourselves, am I actually able to adapt? You know, I've worked with a lot of people that every night they were still there to 11 p.m. because it wasn't perfect. And it's really easy to fall into that trap when your colleagues are doing it too. But you have to really ask yourself, is that worth it? And how long do you think you're going to be able to sustain that? And the answer is probably not very long. Or if you do, your body is going to give you some pretty clear warning signs and just give up on you and some other problem will eventuate. So, your body is already giving you warning signs before you get to burnout. When we get to burnout is when we haven't listened to them. So, checking in that self-reflective practice, whether or not it's creating space to to actually have some time to exercise or creating space to self-reflect and journal. I appreciate that a lot of the people who are listening to this have probably got an already really, really busy life. They're probably already a working parent. Um, I hear you. I'm with you. I'm in those trenches. I understand those challenges. I manage those small stakeholders also. They are difficult, but the most important thing that you have to remember is that nothing in your world can be well if you are not well. Like you being unwell as CEO of the household is probably one of the most detrimental things to that company, in this case, to that family. So the best thing that you can do is put yourself first in this. And the best thing that you can do is to find, even if it's just five minutes, right? The dishes can wait. The laundry can wait and your perfectionist is probably going, no, but then my house is going to be so messy and I can't function. I get it. I get it. Okay. I'm with you. I'm in those trenches. I have the same internal dialogue, but it's like, why does it matter? Why does it matter if there's dishes on the sink? Go to another room. (laughs) Like they're still going to be there when you get back, but you will have more space, capacity and emotional availability to process why that's stressing you out if you are able to understand the root cause underneath, if you are able to give yourself time and space to process and do this self-reflective practice. In our next episode, Helen McCabe and Jamila Risby will share their practical advice on how to harness your perfectionism and when to channel your inner pragmatist instead. Try out behavioural experiments where you intentionally practice making mistakes and do things imperfectly. This is something what? this is something I don't have to do. As part of these experiments, predict what will happen when you make a mistake oh and then follow through with the plan to see what actually happens. Wow, that's stressful. Mindset is created by FW Jobs Academy with support from the Australian Government's Office for Women.
FW champions gender equality in Australian workplaces through professional development, advocacy and community. If you'd like to know more, go to futurewomen.com or find out how to register for our Jobs Academy at jobsacademy.futurewomen.com.